You're listening to the Volleyball by Design podcast. Today, we're going to talk about culture, and we have a very special guest on the pod who has dedicated a big part of his life to breaking down and dialing into what exactly culture is, how to create culture in our sports teams, and how to instill that culture across, just to be quite honest, all sports teams. This individual has worked with pro teams ranging from basketball to football. He himself has been a coach for uh, a number of years and worked with a ton of coaches in many different sports. So super excited to have him on the pod. And this is an episode you definitely don't want to miss. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Coach Brian Singh, and after a number of years coaching competitive volleyball and as the head coach of the biggest college in Canada, I've become obsessed with helping coaches improve their knowledge and skills of the game by teaching them how to coach efficiently and effectively to ultimately reach their volleyball goals. I created the Volleyball by Design podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies so you can get clarity and apply what you learn right away. This is the Volleyball by Design podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 140 of the Volleyball by Design podcast. How is everyone doing out there today? Another week of volleyball, uh, depending on where you are around the world. If you are in Canada, you are dialing into playoff mode now, getting ready to pursue a championship. And if you are uh, in the U.S., my friends in the U.S., you are well, the men's men's season is pretty much uh, well underway. Games are exciting. Uh, it's really good to see the talent. And if you are in club, I believe club is now is starting back up. I know there are teams depending on where you're located. You got tryouts. You have st- games have already started. So really, really fun time to be a volleyball coach. And we have an episode for you that I think comes at the right time. Because well, actually, to be quite honest, you know, Culture comes, come, it should come at any time. There's no right time for culture, but especially at the beginning of your season, if you are in the beginning of your season, this will give you an amazing opportunity to understand and plan out what culture is. And that's what today's episode's about. And you know, for you listeners who've been listening to me for a while, you know, I'm a big culture guy, but, um, but new listeners, if you're a new listener, welcome to the show. My name is coach Brian Singh and I'm the host of the podcast. And if you are a regular listener, as always, You know, the goal of each episode is to give you guys tangible step-by-step strategies that you can take back to your gym and your team and apply right away. And I'm very, very fortunate and lucky to have a guest speaker today who specializes in culture. And you guys, like I said earlier, you know I'm all about culture and I'm all about instilling positive, strong, you know, culture identity in your team so that, you know, when things go wrong or when things are tough, that culture is there. And if it's strong, um, you can overcome a lot of obstacles. So we have a mentor, a writer, a coach, a sports consultant, um, someone who works with hundreds and hundreds of teams and professional teams and all the way down to high school teams and things like that. He's been doing this for a long time and we're super uh, excited to have, and that's JP. And JP, is your name Nurban? Is that your last name? Yeah, that's it. You got it, man. JP Nurban. All right. Well, JP, welcome to the show, man. What's going on? Yeah, man, this is awesome. Uh, great to speak to someone in the world of volleyball. A lot of great stuff going on there culturally. So it was awesome. Well, yeah, man. Thanks. I appreciate that. And you know, let's um, let me let's just dive into who you are. You know, are you're not a, you're not a volleyball per se guy. So many of our listeners may not know who uh, who JP is, but just you know, br- a brief bio of who you are and what you're all about. And uh, yeah, yeah, man. Well, I've worked with some volleyball coaches uh, in the states, um, high school and collegiate levels as well. So, I mean, you know, my background's in basketball, though, which you know I think is what you meant there. You know, it's just like I was a basketball coach for 
over a decade and uh, before I started getting into the culture coaching and the consulting aspect of it. I uh, played basketball, you know, in college up to division one level, University of South Carolina as well too. But um, yeah, man, like that really, how'd I get doing what I'm doing now um, kind of helps to tell you a little bit about what it is that I actually do for coaches. So, yeah. you know, I was a coach for uh, 10 years and, you know, really growth mindset, always trying to improve myself, um, went through some real struggles where I just said, man, my teams are not reaching her potential first off. Um, and this is not enjoyable anymore, which and I loved coaching, but I was starting to lose the enjoyment. My team wasn't re uh, reaching its potential and the relationships were struggling. And I had to look at the culture, you know? And, and, and so I had always tried to build culture and, but like most people, I would just try new things every year. You might hear this idea from this coach on this podcast, or, you know, you might read a book and you know, okay, I'll try to apply that team meeting or that activity or that mantra and we're just kind of, you know, every year you just kind of just haphazardly go about it. You know, it, 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 like, how do you build it? I don't really know, but um, I was really frustrated. And also in that point of my leadership, I think I had spent the last five years looking at culture as that started with the players themselves. Like, like, well, I had to fix the players. We had to move the, get the right people here. We had to do the right things with them to then have a great culture but I learned in this really dark time in my coaching where I like almost like left coaching. Um, I learned through some feedback from some people that I had relationships with uh, around my team, as well as I hired a mentor, a coach, a guy named Jamie Gilbert, who was kind of a strength performance skills, um, not strength, a mental skills guy. And through that experience, I learned, man, the change really starts with me. So it became this whole leadership journey. And anyways, Long story short, I go all in on culture. I start reading every book I possibly can. I've hired this coach to work, help me work on my culture. I start getting really practical and starting to try to build out some strategies that I know that are, will be effective each year. Uh, start a podcast to talk about it, to interview other great people in this area. And from all my readings, from starting a blog, from a podcast, I kind of just stepped out of coaching and started to coach coaches because coaches were like, I like this pot, this I, what you're talking about here, this idea, what you're writing about here, help me implement it, help me work through it throughout the year. Um, and so that's what I do now is, the, you know, we still have a podcast. I've got a couple books out. And, but um, at the core of what I do is I talk hop on a call with coaches, um, you know, once a week, typically, and we work through some of these things to implement as, so we're doing, we're building culture upstream, but then we're also approaching some things downstream, right? So we learn from our experiences. We learn from that conversation that doesn't go well with a player and uh, been doing this for about six, seven years now. So. Oh, well, that's great, man. Thanks for that intro. No, I appreciate that. And uh, I can't wait to pick your brain, to be honest, because if you, like you spend your whole, you know, last seven years diving into just culture, that I, I can't wait to hear. Uh, I want to pick your brain. So let's talk about a couple of things. First off, Let's uh, we're going to give you a bunch of different scenarios here. So if you're a, mm -hmm. you know, you're a coach who is just about to start their season, and this is a pivotal moment in a, in a coach's journey when it comes to beginning of the season, uh, we're, you're talking about training camp, you're talking about preseason games, you know, all that stuff we're diving into. We're trying to plan that. How would you approach uh, working with a coach to say, okay, let's talk about culture. How are we going to build a culture that is strong, has a good foundation, et cetera, a strong, positive culture. How would you approach that beginning of your season? And we want to get culture five, right off. 
Yeah, let's, well, I'll give you kind of four to five things here and then you tell me where we want to go deeper on. Okay, so the okay. first thing is, you know, I would definitely want to know, help this coach design some sort of, if they don't have already, but make sure even if they have it to be really, really clear on who they are and what they believe. So that some sort of philosophy. And, you know, we talk about like a coaching manifesto, which is like a mission, vision, values, um, you know, and core standards and disciplines. And what essentially, you know, you can put a lot of different phrases in there and all this stuff, but essentially we got to do a, a deep dive on who am I as a coach? What's really important to me? And what does that look like within my behaviors, how I act on a day-to-day basis, right? Because it's one thing to say, well, I value selflessness and competitiveness and, and love, right? But then do I actually model that, right? So I have to really make sure that it's coming through my behaviors. Secondly, it should come through in some of my minimal core standards. We'll dive more into that in a second, okay? Um, about how I like, you know, enforce the team, um, you know, culture. But yeah, we really want to know who, and also the other thing is that, that, that part of this, I just call my disciplines. What are the things I do daily, my habits that keep me moving towards the, the leader, the person that I desire to be? Because like values or mission statements, they're always aspirational as well as they also guide, right? So they guide our behaviors, but they also are, none of us are perfect, right? So none of us are the selfless, you know, resilience, you know, disciplines, you know, all those things that we want um, to be as a leader and we want our players to be. So the disciplines help us. So it could be, you know, I, I simply like going for a walk without your phone every morning, listening to podcasts, reading, journaling, writing, meditating, sleep, exercising on a daily basis. Because we know the stress of a season can sometimes take us off course. So the first thing would be know yourself. Secondly, we would want to know coach standards. These are three to four things that are like not my non-negotiables. They are very specific things. The great coaches have them from the John Woodens to the Pete Carrolls to the Anson Dorances of the world. You know, all these great coaches out there, they seem, when in my research, they all seem to have a few things. They don't have 10 things. They don't have 20 things. They have like three or four things. They're like, be on time, listen, be respectful, you know, profanity. I mean, whatever it is, but it should be connected to who the coach is. So that's the second thing. The third thing is I would try to identify early on um, what is the current situation within the culture. And to do that, I would start to build relationships, right? Um, and I would have a lot of one-on-ones. I'd want to meet with every single player on my team, new or returning. And I'd typically, if they're a returning player, to ask them three questions. What do you enjoy about this experience or this team? What don't you enjoy? And what's one thing that we need to change you know, to make this a better experience and reach our potential this year, right? And then, you know, th- those might be my three core questions, but I'm going to like really try to dive in and help, you know, in these conversations to really try to figure out what, how the players are feeling about the culture. So early one-on-ones will be the third thing, you know, you meet with every player. After that, you really should be able to, and you probably already know this, who are the key influencers? Not who do you want to be captain, but who are the key influencers in your locker room? That when things go hard, if they go, if they stick to the culture, the team will stick to it. Or if they go south, then the team will go south. You need to know those people. And typically within a volleyball team, it's one or two players, right? With that team that small, it's gonna be one or two players. And those I need to empower. I might put some other people around them that are more even positive influences. We might build what we call a leadership council or captain's council from that. But I gotta make sure that I got the influencers and I'm meeting with them every week. And with them and maybe the whole team and a volleyball team that works like this, we would come up with some team standards, some policies. How do we want to do things, right? 
and what are we striving for when it, in our behaviors? That was how I would define standards. So that would be the other big thing is just kind of set some policies and standards to drive it. But I would do that with the team. So the standards aren't all just coming from me, the coach. So I just gave you a lot there. Um, so I'll shut up here so you can kind of dive in where you want. Okay, I have four. Was What, what was the fifth one? So first off, know yourself, right? Know your so philosophy. I, here, I'll tell you, tell me what I missed. So first yeah. off we have, yeah, know yourself, what you believe in, what's important to you, you know, your disciplines, your, the guide, your behavior. Second was your coaching standards. So three to four things that are non-negotiables. Um, yeah. Third thing was have one-on-one. So early on, what's the current situation within the culture? Have those one-on-ones, build those relationships. Um, you have the returning players, ask them the three questions. You know, what do you enjoy by the experience? Uh, what do you not enjoy by the experience? And then what are things that you want to change? Um, the fourth mm -hmm. thing I have was, who are the key influencers in your locker room? Like, you know, the one or two people that you want to empower and potentially build a leadership, a leadership council around them. And then was the fifth setting up policies yeah. with that? Okay. That was a fifth. Okay. Yeah. Setting team standards would be our fifth thing, right? Yeah. So yeah, that, that's the one, two, three, four, five. That would be pretty, pretty foundational uh, for most teams. Okay. I just want to say before we continue, that was fantastic. You literally gave a step-by-step -step manual on how to create uh, or how to start approaching your culture. Cause that was articulated so well and i want to i want to dive into a couple of these well do you have anything to add on to that before I, I dive into some of these no just pick what what interests you i mean we can work through each of those you know and and then the end how we enforce it or yeah you know, no but, yeah just pick what's interests you perfect well the second one definitely interests me because the first one you know who you are and what you believe that's going to be different based on every coach every coach has their own beliefs and you know that's the reason we, we coach is because we want to instill some of our identity into the team and that culture exactly. but uh i really like the the coaching standards you talked about beyond time no profanity um in your experience working with a ton of different coaches what are some coaching standards that you found to uh to be really really great culture you know building blocks for culture in a locker room on a team I'll tell you what is not great first. Let's start with that, Brian. What is sure, not sure. great is have a good attitude, work hard, and you know something really general, right? Like so. Sometimes some people say, "Well, just you know, have you know, work hard, have a great attitude, and be respectful." And I'm like, "That's great," but those three things are not. You cannot literally hold them to those all the time, right? You're going to have off days up in there. When we talk about non-negotiables, they need to be specific. They need to be an observable, right? And they need to be controllable. So for me, let's, let's just like, we can unpack those three things. All right. So what's an area that really, if everybody does, you have a better chance of, of working hard, right? So for me, it could be beyond time. If we're all on, if we're not on time, we're off to a bad start, right? So for me, that's beyond time. Um, and if it's respect, well, one thing for me that's really important with respect is listening. Listening in practice when the coach is talking, listening to teammates when they're sharing in team meetings. And if we don't have good listening, right? Uh, when we're having conversations, if I don't listen well to you and you don't listen well to me, we're gonna have a cultural breakdown. So it's trying to take the things that are maybe like important to you, your values, or and then you're really honing in on an area that it's not gonna be all encompassing, but it's gonna lead to some pretty good results. Secondly, it's gonna keep you in a really good emotional state. What I mean by that is, if I walk into practice and people are on time, people listen, right? And people compete, right? Sometimes I, I vary which my, what my third one is, right? So it's usually I'm always on time, listen, compete would be my third one. And then sometimes I might try to pick another one that's more related to what I feel people are struggling 
within that culture, right? So one big thing probably today would be no complaining, like because that thing also really eats eats at me. But if I can enforce those three four things, I'm going to be in a good, pretty good place. But if someone's not listening, you know, like my limbic system is going to be triggered, and I'm I might go from zero to ten. Like it's really hard for me. It's like it really irritates me. So sometimes I help coaches build it by just saying, "Hey, man, like what are the three or four things that really piss you off that your players do, like that just drive you crazy?" All right, just pick those, you know, and and then that just keeps you in a good place. And so when we communicate it to our players, we're saying, listen, these are the three things I need from you, right? And if you can do these three things, I want to be a better coach for you, first off. We're going to have a better relationship. We're also, it's going to, they're going to be good for you as a player, like showing up on time, listening, you're going to get the most out of it, and the team experience will be beneficial. So it's those three real reasons why we need you to follow through on those. So we explain not just what the standards are, but why they're so important. No, I love that, man. Yo, that's yeah, that's absolutely true. And as you were as you were talking, I was relating it to my team and some of our non-negotiables. And and it's such it's a game changer when you have like things like that, right? So no, absolutely. Okay. Have you, I mean, um, so I have like, you know, you know, no complaining, listening, which is that's a great point, actually. Listening. That's such a skill in itself. Um, anything else that you found from working with other coaches around that their non-negotiables stood out to you? They were like, wow, that's actually really cool. Yeah, that that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, like I had like, there's like no BCD, no blaming, complaining, defending, you know, like it, there, there's those. I think what I, what we enjoy the most lately that it, it is not necessarily what they are, it's how we communicate. And one of my favorite team activities to do this is actually to bring your players into the room and say, hey, what do you need from me as a coach this year to be successful? I need three things for you guys to agree on that are expectations of me as a coach. I'll be back in 10 minutes. Come back in that room 10 minutes, listen, ask questions, be curious, get clarification, say, okay, thank you. And then you have three standards for yourself that they're asking out of you. And a lot of times they're going to be, hold us accountable and encourage us. Have we done this enough that we know what it is? But now we have like, hey, you asked me to hold you accountable, right? So they communicate the standards for the coaches. And then you say, all right, but these are the three things I need from you for me to be successful, right? So- how we communicate it now, it's like, this is, this is a relationship, right? This isn't just a, a dictatorship. Okay. No, no, I love it. So uh, let, let me start a little bit from the beginning. So we have, so we're, we're talking about who we are as a coach and you know, what we believe in, and then we figure out who, what our, you know, what our non-negotiables are. Now, when you, I think you, you talked about creating like, you know, your principles or whatever, are we, we're, we're writing this down. And so I'll tell you what I do and what many of our coaches do is we create like a volleyball manual. And the volleyball manual isn't, isn't just a bunch of policies. Don't get me wrong. There are policies and procedures in there in terms of, you know, curfew and travel and, you know, expectations and stuff like that. But also in addition to the volleyball manual, it outlines our team culture and our team identity. Um, is that something that you agree with by putting it in your volleyball manual of all the stuff we just talked about? Yeah. And how that, what that looks like, I think really varies yes. because how much does the coach's identity influence the cultural identity? How much do the coach's principles influence, you know, and that really varies by context. If I'm working with a pro, like I, I took over, I was doing a little pro coaching job here in Ireland, where actually I live now currently, I was coaching a pro team here during COVID. And I mean, this was well-established team, right? Some players are there 10 years, veterans, 30 in their thirties. I wasn't going to come in and tell them, well, this is now the Celtic way, right? right. That's not, that's not how it was going to go. Right. It's like, I just asked them to help me understand 
what has made them successful? What's kept them from being unsuccessful? And from there, we were able to build out some standards of policies and stuff like that. But back to your question, yes, I, I think every coach though knows needs to know who they are and then how much that impacts. I often like to think of it as we can sketch the vision for the team, but we have to let the players fill it in. Now, sometimes we're not the only sketchers. <laughs> we got other people that are they're they're able to have some input into that what that blueprint looks like. And sometimes we're coming in and Honestly, if we're like a high school volleyball coach and we're taking over a program, you know, that's not established, never been successful, you might be like, all right, we're taking everything out, we're throwing it all out, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I know. I like that. No, that's good. Yeah, it's such a good point. You know, if you're coming into a team that's already had a like a good established culture, you're not trying to rock the boat per se. Um, okay, so we have, uh, we talked about your, uh, let's see, the, the coaching standards. Let's dive in a little bit to team standards. So you would come up with team standards with your team um, and you set policy and standards and things like that, right? What are some of those things? What do some of those things look like? So we talked about your non-negotiables as a coach. Now mm-hmm. in your in your career and working with all these teams, what have you found to be really good standards and policies that teams have come up with? Yeah, right there. A lot of times in this type of activity, you can get a lot of fluff. And I'm sure some coaches may have even done something like this within their team. It's really important to get to what is specific and relevant to the challenges of that team. What's going to keep us from being successful. And so in that, you got to have like your North star. And so this is where we might have sketched the vision, but we might ask, ask them what it looks like. And um, so, you know, like one of, one of the coaches I write about in my more recent book, uh, the culture system is a, is a soccer coach named Dave Brandt out of Messiah. Uh, college and they won like 11 national championships in the space of 20 years at division three there. And his vision is to be the best team to play best soccer team to play for in the country. But what does that look like guys? If we're going to be the best team to play from the country, what does that look like for us this year? So they're allowed to articulate that. And um, from there, you know, you have a painted a vision. Then you say, okay, what are going to be the things that are going to keep us from realizing that? What are our obstacles? What are the challenges we're going to face? And then it's like, okay, what do we need to do and not do? What you know, and, and sometimes we draw a line, we do above the line, below the line, something like that, you know, exceptional, unacceptable behaviors. And we get them to, to kind of bring those out and really have a discussion. The discussion is a huge piece. And you say, of all those things, what are the five most important things per se? You know, you some people pick 10, some people pick three, whatever. You you, you whittle that down to like, hey, here's a five things like you know that we're gonna do really well. And they could be like you know, like, I, like, here's a good example. I have one high school team. It's like players, it became clear in the one-on-ones and it was with the coach and the players that um, players didn't really like talk to each other much outside of the gym. Like they'd be walking the hallway and they'd be like, they wouldn't even acknowledge each other, right? In school. And so they brought this up. This is an issue, right? Like, like we don't have relationships outside of this gym. And so they implemented a simple rule, a standard, which was uh, implemented in, in the um, uh, one of the big hotel chains. I'm, I'm completely blanking on it, but it's the 510 rule, the Ritz Carlton's 510 rule. At 10 feet, you know, in the Ritz Carlton, you got to, um, you know, wave or something like that, or, you know, acknowledge them. And at five feet, you got to greet the guests. Well, for this team, you know, you didn't have to sh- like shout across the halls, but if you saw a teammate, you had to like wave or acknowledge or give them like a little bump. And if it was five feet, you had like fist bump, right? You know, so like that was the thing. And so they had this 510 standard where it was like, 
Um, and it was like, when you walked in the gym, it was talk and touch. Every time you come in the gym, we're going to talk and touch everybody in the gym, right? So very specific things to help build connection and cohesion there. Um, as well as you get some other stuff around the sideline behavior when you're not playing and stuff like that, those traditional things. But that's one example of a really cool standard. Okay. You got to tell me more. You have any more of those? That was, that was really cool. We do something similar in our gym where the minute you come in, you have to high five your coaching staff and teammates before you, you get a volleyball. And then before you leave the gym, you have to high five your teammates and coaching staff before you leave. So this is very similar to mine. So I like this better. Cause this adds in the tent. You have to wave and acknowledge it. Like, you know, I, I really like that, but this is so cool. You have anything else like this? This is a really good one. Yeah. I, there, there's a logo that I talk about in my, in my book and you're trying to sometimes create a story with, with this. So, or some sort of language, right. You know, there, I mean, there's the big one like that. Um, uh, this, you know, like the sweep the sheds type of stuff from the all blacks rugby team and people take different, different, um, you know, approaches towards that. Like everybody cleans up, everybody picks up, you know, so um, I don't know that I'm not familiar with that. What does that mean? So, okay. So the, the all blacks sweep the sheds, like the New Zealand all blacks rugby team is the one of the most successful sports teams international. They are the most successful international sports team of all time in any sport. Okay. Um, they have a mantra called sweep the sheds. And that is where the, 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 the team themselves led by the leaders, the captains, they clean up the locker room. They, they don't, they go get cleaning supplies. They go get the brooms and they sweep the sheds. They sweep the lock. Like they, if they're on the road and they're playing Ireland, they're still cleaning the stadium locker room when they finish up. And it's a, it's a sign of like, Hey, we're of humility and, and respect for the environment. And so we've taken that and we, we've done different variations of that as well too. I want to go back to that soccer team you talked about. They won 11 national champions out of 20 or something like that. And you said that they narrowed it down to like their five. Do you know yeah, you, you know what those five were or any examples from those five? Um, so with Messiah, they had some really interesting standards there in that, that study there that I've, I've, I've dived deep on in there. For one, uh, Force Family Fun Fridays. So it's a college. So every Friday, it's just we're going to spend time together. And when you're recruited, that's the expectation. Your family knows it. Your girlfriend knows it. Like you will spend a Friday with the team and the coach doesn't care what we're doing. We're just going to be together. Um, there was also like the, the, the seniors pick up, you know, uh, get them, get the balls in the water there, you know, something small there. So yeah, there's some cool ones there for sure. Oh, I like that. Forest family fun Friday, senior pickup. Yeah. These are, I, anytime I, I, I think culture and I think of, uh, you know, you have, you have the main ingredients like you talked about before, you know, your non-negotiable is your identity, the the standards. And then you have these really fun ones that I like that every team is different. I like hearing ideas from different teams because sometimes it just could be that like, like the five ten rule, that simple thing I think will take a team a long way because you are, you, you now are required to communicate with your teammates, regardless of whether it's in on the court or off the court. And I think that's so important to build that connection and that relationship. So I absolutely love that. Um, is there anything here out of the stuff that we've talked about? Um, let's see the first, second, third, fourth. What about, let's talk about the leadership council. Cause that, that's something that I've actually implemented a little bit um, in my coaching career as of late before I wasn't, I, I didn't do, do that too much. You just had one captain and so forth in terms of the leadership council. What is, do so you have your one or two people that are responsible, your veterans, then you could kind of build around that with other people that are potentially leaders or future leaders that could take over the team next year and so forth. 
What's, what are the guidelines for a leadership council and how to create one? Man, okay, so there's so many intentional things that we've done on the leadership council over the years. Uh, I'll hit on a few things that really make this different. It is a voted thing, okay? So it's voted by the, everyone's voted. So you're gonna get your influencers on there. But we help kind of have uh, them frame the voting, okay? So what we do is we say, guys, in order to be successful, you know, what are the qualities of a leader that we're going to need this year? So you would create a job description. And so we usually identify three qualities and what those look like. So it could be like they're selfless or competitive and they're accountable or, you know, whatever it is. Like, you know, so they have these three qualities and behaviors defined. And then you vote who, who wants to be on leadership council. So you get maybe like six, six players and you're going to go on a liable team, maybe it's three. And you're going to say, okay, um, of these six, who are your top three in order? Selfless, who's the top three in order competitive and who's the top three in order accountable. And, and then, so we have like a, and a voting system. So it makes a little less of a popularity contest. It gets the athletes to think about what do we actually need in leaders? It creates that job description. And then with that job description, there's also some responsibilities. Responsibilities are meet weekly with your uh, co head coach uh, in a captain's council meeting to identify issues and focus on solutions around whatever issues are, are there. Secondly, you're gonna lead a unit. So you're typically leading two or three other players that you are in charge of um, making sure you're, they're like their big mother or their big father, you know, the big thing, like, like it's the mother, you know, like the, the big brother, right? Uh, the big sister type thing, right? So um, you, you kind of just that, that, that mentor them, you know, and look after them and hold them accountable too on things. And then the other thing is that there's uh, commitments to serve, support and connect. So that could be organizing Force Family Fun Fridays. It could be, you know, having a, a the group chat. It could be organizing team events. It could be um, eating last. You know, I've had a team where, I mean, it's just so cool to see, like, I remember this, I was, I was consulting, I was visiting a really, really high level team. Uh, and it was a high school team. I was down in Louisiana. And they, this, this, uh, it was a private school, but they had traveled maybe an hour and a half away to this one guy who's this phenomenal star. Um, it, his hometown, right? And so the whole town comes out and and he's a senior and he's a star. He's a 2,000 point scorer and he gets off and he's got the water bottles. He's got the balls and he's carrying all the gear. And then there's like these little shrimpy freshmen are getting off the bus. And they don't have it. They just got their bag. And this, and I'm, 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 I'm with the team and this guy comes up and is like, yo, man, what are you doing? Like, why are you carrying the balls? Like, that's for those young guys. Like this is some guy, I was assuming just local guy from the town that knew him, you know? And he's like, oh man, this is, this is my responsibility. I'm a captain, you know? And, and, and like, that's powerful, right? Like I mean, just to be able to do that. So it, it, there's some cool stuff like that. So anyways, we, we, this is it. You vote on it and then you're meeting with them weekly. I mean, here's a success story. So you have this group, you meet with them weekly, you develop them, you empower them. They're in charge of making really uh, some decisions. Uh, short story on this of what it looks like in action. I had a coach I work with. He's an ice hockey coach in uh, Saskatchewan in Canada. And in a pivotal moment, their top four players, their best four players have started to check out. They've got pro contracts lined up. They're like, we're good. The rest of the team is like, we're not good. Like, we want to finish the year strong here. And, you know, they're heading into the playoffs, but these guys' attitudes, efforts uh, drop. Well, the coach just, you know, I hopped the phone call with the coach. The coach is like, I got to call me, and we're going to have to lay it all out there. And the whole team, I said, no, 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 no. Call the captain's council together and say, this is the issue. 
because they, the, the captains actually brought the coach the issue. Uh, and the coach saw it, but he's like, laid out saying, say, what are we going to do to solve it? And so he brought the captains together and said, all right, guys, here's an issue. we got our four best players are checking out. Their effort's not there. Their attitude's not there. What are we going to do? What's the solution? They said, well, me. And so the coach worked with them and coached them up. They spent 30 minutes preparing for what that meeting would look like. And the captains texted everybody and the, captain, the coaches were in the meeting, but the captains met with the, the, the whole team. And they stood up there and they said, hey, man, you guys are letting us down. And they gave them really hard feedback. They had this real big heart to heart. Game changer. You know, the team goes on a 3-0 sweep on the weekend, right? Total fix. The coach didn't have to do anything other than just coach these kids, right? And that's leadership development. That's real leadership development. And that's a leadership system that actually drives the culture. So it's not just from you to the coach. So that's what it looks like on the back end. I think you're muted, man. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I I mute myself to type, and then I I forgot. I yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, listen, that, that's a great story. Uh, yeah, that's listen. There's so much great stuff here, man. If you're if you're driving, you're gonna have to come back to this and write this down because I got a ton of notes here. So this is great. I want to um kind of shift a little bit here. And I want to talk about your experience. I know you, uh, you, you told me in the past, like, uh, when you reached out that you worked with like the Phoenix Suns, Monty Williams and the Phoenix Suns and uh, New England Patriots and things like that. Talk about your experience. Like, what was that like? What did you see in a professional organization in terms of culture and standards and how they did things that was like really special that you, you took away? Yeah, yeah. You know, going into those places, you're just learning, you know, a lot and you're just soaking up um, and being being invited into those places. Um, and you're just trying to recognize what they're doing exceptional. Um, but also in that experience, you all, one of the big takeaways I had was that their issues are not that much different than our issues. They're just right. magnified or in the media. I mean, for instance, I was in, 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 in Phoenix and there was issues around a contract of a player there. And it was national news and it was like creating some division between the coach and the player. And it was difficult and it was hard for the coach for money. And I remember being like, man, uh, I got a coach that I'm working with college and I got a coach over here in high school coach. And I'm having the exact same conversation with those guys, which is, man, I really care about this, this athlete, but they don't seem to recognize that in this moment. And so how they work through that is often very similar. You know, people are people. And so their, their issues and challenges are not, not that much different. Um, they're just, they maybe just look a little bit different, but at the, at the core, they're human, their issues around you know, human behavior and relationships, uh, which is what culture is. Culture is the strength of our relationships and it is the behaviors. It is the standards. It's the way we do things. Um, and that's how I measure it is how strong are relationships here? And then how do we do things? Do we do things at a high level or do we do things we cut corners, right? So being in those organizations, um, you know, you you start to recognize too that the head coach has two teams, right? He's got his, and this is present too at a high school and a college. Just it's not as overwhelming, but he's got the team, the athletes, and he's got the team, the staff, and, and how you how you work with adults is a similar process, right? Um, of of laying out standards and communicating the one on ones and relationship building, so. Um, that's an old general overview of just my time spent with those people. Um, and there's obviously learnings I had from each, you know, especially the Patriots and then, and in Phoenix as well too, specific to those, those, those teams. 
Right. Well, what what else did you learn? Like, what were some takeaways from both teams? Like, obviously, relationships and, you know, they, they had their own things that you consulted with them, obviously. on. But was there anything really cool that both teams did that you thought, wow, I got I'm, I'm going to take that back to my gym? Yeah, I think one of the things about the Patriots that really impressed me, I was early on in their, in their training camp and, and it was just uh, they practice out of practice. You know, I don't think we we they practice how to do halftime. They practice halftime. We just assume, well, this is what we want. Right. We want people to come in there and we, we expect our players to stand up and like, you know, give, you know, give each other feedback and, but we don't coach them on that. Right. Um, and we, you know, we have this idea of like practice. Well, it's just about the drills and we expect players to move quickly between the drills and we expect players to come in with their, with their shoes tied and, and, and stretch out and just, it's like, no, no, we're going to spend the entire first day here in New England and we're going to walk you through how we actually are going to approach every other day from here on out. I love We're that. going to walk how we, how we get water, when we get water, how you show up. Like, it's just, we're walking through every bit of it. So that, that was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, there's some amazing stories that I've heard on the other end of that. I mean, there was a big comeback the Patriots had against the Falcons in the Super Bowl. And they were down like some, like 27 to seven or something. Maybe it was 35 to seven. It's something crazy. Yeah, and the Patriots came back and won in the second half. And the, you know, uh, Martellus Ben, I remember hearing him talk about this. Their tight end, who was new to the Patriots that year, said, "Man, I thought it was crazy. We were practicing halftime the week, like where you go, where you stand, what questions you will ask. You know, like we literally sat down and ate our peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or whatever we were eating at halftime. Yeah. Like we went through the whole process yeah. as if it was. And then when we got to that moment." we were prepared for it because halftime's long in the Super Bowl. Like they wanted to practice that little extended halftimes. Right. So they, 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 so it was a very chill halftime. They're down. The Super Bowl is pretty much over at this point. There's no way the Patriots are going to come back and win it. They come in there and they're just process focused and they have the, you know, the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history, you know? And uh, it's, it wasn't, it wasn't just, there was no emotional speeches. It was like, all right, we know what we're going to do. Let's go. Like there was no rah-rah. There was no like Al Pacino, let's get after it. It was just like, this is our process. So that, that was pretty cool to see that. And um, I'll share with the Suns. One thing I thought was really cool was I was in the process of writing the culture system, my, my most recent book. And I was, you know, writing it. I had done loads of research and there's a chapter on non-negotiables, you know, the coach standards. And, you know, we talk about John Wooden's in there. I talk about Pete Carroll's from the Seattle Seahawks. And I talk about like an U.S. and maybe ship captain who was an exceptional leader that I had done some research on. I talk about all these people. And then I go in and I spend time with the Suns and right above Monty's desk in his office is his non-negotiables. Be on time, always defend, share the ball. <laughs> like the three things. It was like, Dude, you know, and he's, he goes on to be NBA coach of the year. They have a great year that year. You know, like, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy how like, right. To me, all these things, which I now put into like what we call our culture system, the great leaders, they're not all doing the exact same things, but they're all like, I mean, there's a lot of synergy between not just even great coaches, but like I've come across maybe ship captains down at Toyota. Like, it's just pretty cool to see that. And in that moment was like, it was really cool for me. Oh, no, that's amazing. I love that. Yeah, no, this is great. Okay, I want to do a quick recap so far and see what we've talked about. Um, we're getting close to the end here, so I want to be mindful of your time. So 
First thing we talked about is design. So you, you gave us the five, the five stages or five steps of, uh, you know, of, of culture. And we have the first one is design who you are, who, like, who the coach is and you know, what they believe in, what's important to them. Um, you know, putting that, putting that down, like being intentional with that. Uh, your, what are your disciplines? Um, then the second thing was your, your non-negotiables. So your coaching standards, things like everything. We, we, talk, we talked a lot about that just now, you know, you know, good attitude, work hard, be respectful. You, you just talked about Monty Williams is non-negotiables in terms of beyond time, all the defense, share the ball. So yeah, that, that's great. Um, you want to make sure that they're specific, observable and controllable. I think that's what you said. Uh, mm-hmm. So when you're thinking of your non-negotiables, you know, those are, those are really important. Um, the third thing we talked about is identify early on the, the situation of the, of the team culture, uh, you know, building relationships, um, have one-on-ones with returning players. And you ask them three, three simple questions. You know, what are you enjoying about the experience? What, what, what aren't you enjoying about the experience? And what do you think that needs to change so you can reach your potential this year? I like that one. Uh, the fourth thing you mentioned was, uh, to identify who your key influencers are in your locker room. Uh, normally it's one or two people and you want to empower those people you know, with that leadership council, that leadership council is something that I've, I've been hearing more and more of now. And I think that, um, there's, there's so much merit in that. Absolutely. Um, and I really liked what you talked about, how the job description that is bro. I'm, I'm taking that because we, as a coaching staff determine like who, who the leaders are going to be in the leadership council, but no, like your approach is so much better as a team, create the job description, you know, then we can see who's, who's interested in, you know, taking that job and then vote on it. And vote in order of the qualities that you talked about. That's that's brilliant. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And then the fifth thing we talked about was uh, come up with team standards. You know, what are we striving for in our standards? You know, set your policies. Uh, and you talked about things like you know the five ten rule, which I absolutely love. Uh, I never heard of the all black uh, sweeps, the sweep the sheds or whatever that is. That's that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why I've never heard of that, but that's I love that. Uh, I love the force family fun Fridays, uh, senior pickup, all that stuff. Those are really really great things. Um, is there, I do, I have one more question before you, and then I want to talk about a little about you. Is there anything you want to add to that, that I might've missed? Well, I, I think, you know, so my, my most recent book, the culture system, it, it has four parts. First part is about the leader leadership and understanding your leadership style. Part two is establish part three is support and part four is enforce. Okay. And within that there's 22 chapters. There's essentially a handful of tools captain's councils, non-negotiables to establish the culture. And then there's to support it. And then really, I think the piece that we haven't touched on that's really important is to enforce the culture. What, is, what does accountability look like? Right. Because currently we use very extrinsic ways. We use the carrot, you know, like a lot of praise and all that stuff, which you, know, you want to celebrate the good, uh, but we want to be intentional about how we do that so that we're using affirmations, not praise, because affirmations focus on the behavior. Praise focus is just, just general and it focuses on the outcome. So, you know, there's there's a whole thing on that, but we have to we have to hold them accountable to that. And, and what does it look like? So we're usually using carrots or sticks. We're using yelling, screaming, lecturing, blaming, shaming, like a lot of aggressive type stuff, you know, punishing, making them yell, you know, run. Uh, they were always, you know, it's just threatening, you know, to, to bench them, you know, threatening them, you know, like oh, all that type of stuff. So we have to take a different approach and one that's going to foster and, and, and nurture intrinsic motivation because we want our athletes to do these things because this is who they want to be. It's going to help them to be successful. And it's the things that they said they were going to do. So in that team manifesto meeting, we would actually touch on our, our team standards meeting, 
we would touch on what accountability looks like within this team. And we would say, okay, when we, don't, when we fail to meet those standards, what are some reasonable consequences? When you fail to show up on time, when you fail to sweep the sheds, when you fail to, like, how do we, you know, how do we hold each other, first off, how do we hold each other accountable? And how do the coaches hold you accountable? And you have a conversation and athletes aren't gonna have a good answer for that. They're just not. They're gonna come back to, well, I don't know, like yelling, screaming, make us run, you know, get on us. Like, and I'm like, but really, why, why should I have to get on you? Why should I have to make you run to do the things that you said you needed to do, you know? So we've set up a whole way everything you've established helps you to come back to it in a way that you can just point back to it first off and support it and just give reminders that then say, oh, yeah, 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 that's what we said we need to do. So we'll go out and do it. But even then, when they still fail to do it, you got to hold them accountable. And what does that look like? We talk about three different types of consequences. And I work with coaches, natural, progressive, and restorative. Natural are just naturally occurring. Sometimes just having conversations around those or allowing them to experience those. For instance, players aren't cleaning up their jerseys after practice. Instead of picking them up, you leave them there. The next day, they have to practice. They have a sweaty, stinky jersey. That's a natural consequence, right? Um, there's other ways to do natural consequences. Progressive is what we call logical consequences delivered in a way which, which are respectful, related, and relevant to the behavior. So if a player is failing to work hard in a drill and, and do a, a rep hard, we might say, all right, we're going to do that again until we have the right effort. That's that's first progression one. Still struggling, still not giving a good effort, kind of checking out. We need somebody to say, you know what? Uh, you know, we maybe offer some encouragement. They don't lift it up. We might say, all right, you know what? Step off. As soon as you're ready to start working hard, let's let us know and you can hop back up in the drills here. After that, still like gets back in there, still struggling in practice. I might say, you know what? How about you sit out here and we'll see you in the next drill. Like, just take some time. Go reset yourself. Go get a drink of water. But we need you to be back above the line here or else you're going to lose the opportunity to practice today. Player comes back in. Now, we rarely get to this situation when we've done all things the right way. But, you know, once or twice a year, my coach might say, listen, sorry, you're just going to have to head home for today or you have to set up the rest of practice today. You're just not feeling it today, right? You've lost the opportunity to get better. Now, some coaches might go, oh, why would you do that? They're not working hard. That's a, every player's dream. Really? If they've identified that they need to do these things, right, and you're emphasizing it the right way, this is how we build an intrinsic motivation. So progressive consequences, restorative are, we could dive deep down in that, but you know, for time's sake, um, you know, those are simply like a, a type of restorative justice, you know? So if two players fight, rather than just like, you're both sitting out and you're benched, it's like, if there's drama, it's like, okay, you guys got to go, you're going to spend after practice every day for the next week, 15 minutes doing a workout together because we're going to repair the relationship, right? That's the consequence. It's not punishment. It's consequence that's actually focusing on the issue. The issue is there's been a break in the relationship. Wow. I think you just changed the way that I am going to deliver consequences in my gym. Like just as you were describing it, everything you said not to do, I have made the mistake in, in my past. I've grown yeah. from my mistakes in my past, but just your approach with the natural consequence, the progressive consequence is brilliant. That is like, yeah, instead of, like, cause it, it reinforces like, okay, if they're not giving the effort, it, it, they are most self-motivating themselves. Okay. I need to perform better instead of being quote unquote punished by running and doing these things. It's like, Yo, that is, yeah, that's phenomenal. I absolutely love this. Wow. What a way to, to, to talk about 
consequences and reinforcing certain things. Man, JP, that was amazing. Okay, before I let you go, I do want to talk about your book. So, um, listen, I can only imagine. I have I've taken away so much in this little forty five minutes we've been on here for um, on culture. I can only imagine what I'm going to take away in this book. So, you got a book called "The Culture System: A Proven Process for Creating an Extraordinary Team Culture." Um, I know, I know, you said that Monty Williams said it's a special book with inspiring stories, and uh, it is. You want to talk about it real quick? Yeah, it's it's um, it's the accumulation of what we found effective with the coaches I work with at the high school, collegiate, and pro levels, and even youth levels, uh, grassroots le- grassroots level. Um, it can be applied regardless of the level you're at, um, and it is based on the tools, methods, activities, things that we have seen shared across some of the best organizations in the world from Toyota to a U.S. Navy ship captain to a community court system in uh, New York City to, um, you know, just just all over the place. You know, it's just an airline. Like, it's just, it, it, but we're all seeing them in sports teams. And so it's, it's the best. So we've got some interesting stories to start each chapter. It is available on Audible as well uh, as an ebook and paperback. But um, there's an interesting story to start. That's usually something, you know, a story of the Cubs or, you know, just, just Toyota or it, it presents the concept. And then each chapter then goes into how to apply that concept, that tool, that method. And then it finishes off with a case study. Typically a coach that I've worked with personally in my coaching that I've helped to apply this. And we've had great success with, and, um, it lays this all out in a way that it's like, these things might seem overwhelming, but it actually just says, it's a replacement of the current operating system that you have right now. Most of us coaches are unintentional and with periods of intentionality that we, okay, we'll do this. We'll do that. And here it's like, I'm going to move off my default operating system of how I coach and I'm going to replace. Now there are a few things, some of these team meetings to start the year, but I would say over half of what we're talking about is just, Hey, I'm changing the way I'm disciplining. I'm changing the way I'm having conversations with my players. Well, I already have one-on-ones with my players, JP, is a lot of people say, I'm like, yeah, but you're probably doing 75% of the talking. They're doing 25% of listening. And we're going to flip that. And then out of that conversation, they're going to come out feeling heard, listened, understood, and intrinsically motivated, not because they want to make you happy, but because they actually know what they need to do to make themselves happy. Right. So like, we're just changing, right. So much of what we do with coaching, we're just replacing it with better ways of doing things. Not that we're the way we're doing things are is bad, right? Um, no, I don't. I, I didn't think I was a bad coach. I don't wasn't <clears throat> when I hit my low point. I wasn't a bad coach. I I just need to find better ways of doing things, and this book will offer you uh, a lot of that. Oh no, thanks, man. Listen, I, the amount of uh, the amount of takeaways I've gotten from just this interview, uh, I can only imagine the takeaways that uh, our listeners are going to get. Uh, from reading this and implementing it in their culture, I've 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 taken a ton of takeaways, so I appreciate that. Um, so Audible, you can get on Audible. Um, there's also a paperback copy as well. I'll link it up in the show notes. And if um, if anybody wants to work with you, do you offer that services to coaches to work with you? Yeah, they can in, uh, inquire about that. Um, there's a couple other coaches that I have on my team, that coach coaches as well too. You can reach out at tocculture.com is my website tocculture.com. Um, if you can go to Amazon or audible and just type in the culture system, or you can also head over to myculturesystem.com. That's going to all the international links. 
because I imagine a lot of your listeners are, are international. So it also has the links there for the books there as well too. But uh, yeah, that, that's that's my website there. And, and you can email me at jp, N-E-R-B-U-N at tosdculture.com as well if you want. Okay, I'll link it up in the show notes if anyone's interested uh, in checking it out. Um, they can definitely do that. All right, I, I always ask my guests this question um, before, you get, before you wrap up. If you, dead or alive, if you could have dinner with one person, who would it be and why? Oh, great question. Uh, John Wooden. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just a legend and never got the chance to meet him. Um, I think I came into my work probably, you know, 10 or 15 years too late to then have that opportunity. Whereas I feel like, you know, I would have might've had, had that opportunity now, you know, if he was still around. So, um, hugely influential in my coaching for sure. Nice. Well, yeah, absolutely. John Wooden, you can't go wrong with John Wooden. That's pretty, that's pretty crazy. All right. JP, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate the time. Uh, listeners, there were a ton of takeaways from this episode. I recommend you going back and listening to it again and making your notes. If you didn't got a chance to take notes, take them. There are literally, I can't, I can't even count the amount of strategies that you can take back to your team and apply right away. Um, you go get uh, JP's book and JP, thanks a lot for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And for our listeners, Thank you for tuning into another episode of the Volleyball by Design podcast. I'll see you guys next week. Take care. All right, cue the music. Look, are you at the stage you want to be in your volleyball journey? How would it feel to get clarity on your training? And instead of taking months to get better, you could improve in weeks, if not days. When I was a young coach and player, I felt this way all the time. The truth is, after I got some great advice on how to be efficient, my learning curve grew exponentially. Let me show you how to be more efficient and effective in this game. I invite you to check out CoachBTraining.com for more resources that you can use to take your game to the next level. I look forward to helping you reach your volleyball goals.